Welcome to the Voice of Fandom Podcast. The one place where you, yes, you, you, the viewer, the fan gets to connect and interact live with the host and talk about your favorite sports team, athlete, or game of the week. And speaking of host, he's straight up, straight to the point. And with a mic in his hand, he lets you know he don't give a sh**. Former pro wrestler and your host, Kingston Robinson. Boy, oh boy, I obviously, uh, I did something, and now we are here in this situation for the first time on this podcast, so let's get started. It is Tuesday, November 3rd, uh, election day, so go out and vote, that's that's the most that I'm going to say about all of this, uh, but... <clears throat> Oh boy, already, already demanding apologies in the live chat. Look, 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 look. I have a few words to say to separate teams, but I have some words to say to a few people um, that uh, cause kind of a mild uproar through a few fandoms. The first one I'm going to address, because it'll be the easiest, easiest, (laughs) is the Eagles fandom. (sighs) Eagles fans, I am sorry that you have to deal with Carson Wentz and his up and down. I am sorry you have to deal with a head coach that came from a very brilliant offensive mind head coach that can't seem to draw up the same magic that his uh, teacher that his teacher gave him. Uh, I am sorry that every week you have to see Carson Wentz on the field, and every time he throws the ball, you have to pray that, one, someone catches it, and, two, that is not from the other team. Carson Wentz showed me on my television in HD, live, in color, that he is nowhere near the draft stock that he was drafted at. Carson Wentz will sometime retire at wherever his profession takes him with a ring that he did not win. That is going to be the coup de grace. That is going to be the crowning on Carson Wentz's head is that he had a good, one good regular season. And he got hurt. And then a man of the name by Nick Foles came by and took the same team, the same team that had so many problems, the same team that Carson Wentz had on his back, the same team that couldn't complete the job, that team. He took that team to the Super Bowl and won against Tom Brady. I will not sit here and tell you that Carson Wentz impressed me. I will not sit here and tell you that 
Carson Wentz is proving his worth, especially in a division that if he was that guy, because they said after Carson Wentz's first season that he was Patrick Mahomes without Mahomes' weapons. He was that caliber of a player that can throw the ball anywhere, that can escape the pocket, that can run strong, that has the vision, and can make anybody around his team better. But he is the Patrick Mahomes without the weapons. That's what everyone said. And I I have never seen. I've never seen Mahomes play this way. So I, I don't know where that comparison comes from. Does, does he make very great throws? Yes. Does Carson Wentz have very great moments? Yes. Does he have times where he drops the ball right into a bucket, right in clutch time where it needs to happen? Yes. Does he do it consistently? Absolutely not. No, he doesn't do it consistently. And he doesn't do it on the base where I would trust him as my starting quarterback. Now, I I was one to even say on Twitter, guys, because there's people on Twitter just calling for Hurts. Get Hurts in there. At that point in time, the game was just decided by a few points. In a division that you could win, you could trip and fall and win. It would have been that easy to win. So, no, you're not going to pull out your more experienced quarterback. I'm not going to say better or worse, but your more experienced quarterback to put in a situation to where you may lose the game by a lot now. That's just how that goes. You're not going to do that. So when they were calling for Carson, Carson's head immediately, I, I thought it was a bit, bit ridiculous. been told in the live chat that my title was misleading and I'm pretty sure one of my Eagle fans have already dropped out of here. But I find it hilarious that as hard as Eagles fans are on Carson Wentz, that for some reason, my words, (laughs) my words seem to be a little harsher. And I guess it's one of those things where, hey, maybe, you know, the same fact from a different different mouth hits a little harder. But that's just, that's it. Carson Wentz ate it. And I said, I, I devoted so much time towards the end of my last episode to a, a basically a hype-up speech for Carson Wentz, for Boston Scott, for Doug Peterson. And they still almost didn't get it done. You can't tell me you look at that Cowboys team and see any kind of competition. You can't tell me you look at a team that's on its third string quarterback, Ben DiNucci. I actually, shout out, actually got his name on the podcast because last week I couldn't even remember what the dude's name was. And then you have a defense who is slowly shopping off their players. There there are less and less of them. And then they had the nerves start Sean Lee. Sean Lee moves moves slower than molasses in winter. Yet they had Sean Lee out there. You can't tell me the Cowboys wanted to win that game. And yet, due to the lack of performance, 
from Carson Wentz. They almost didn't win it. So, yes, I apologize, Eagles fans. <laughs> because, unfortunately, unless you guys decide to do a major move, you will have to deal with this for a few more seasons. And that is your $100 million man. Boy, oh boy, what a life to live. The next fandom that I have to apologize to. Man, oh man, oh man. This is this is gonna get rough. I don't I don't do this whole apology thing a lot. I, I like if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I'll admit that I'm wrong. That's that's not hard for me. It's the formality of you know get giving up your your place and knowing that okay you can have this apology sometimes people just want to hear apologies just so it makes them feel better sometimes they already know that you know that you were wrong they just need to hear the apology to make them feel better and that's that's what this is that's what this is i am giving myself up and i am apologizing because some of you guys just need to hear it and need to feel better so <clears throat> The next fandom that I have to apologize to. Are the Denver Broncos. I know, surprising. <laughs> the Denver Broncos have gotten a lot of heat from me on Twitter. Um, not, not so much on Facebook. I just have a, a more interactive AFC West uh, following on Twitter. And I, I will apologize to the Denver Broncos as well because they have been looped into a false sense of security with Drew Locke. They seem to think that beating a very decent Chargers team with a quarterback that has so much more to learn but is balling, Justin Herbert is balling, but they seem to think that that means anything. They had the nerve to post the score on their Twitter and say, no matter what, we keep fighting. That's what they said. My, my whole thing was, well, what happened last week? You didn't fight at all at home, in the snow, in your element, against the reigning defending Super Bowl champs that live in your division. You didn't do anything. Now, maybe that was the, you know, head rock that you needed so you could have the stamina, the ability, the, the tenacity to beat a Chargers team. But it was another situation where the Chargers beat themselves. And I'm not going to allow you to think that for some reason you are getting better because you are not. I will not allow you to think <laughs> that you, for some odd, weird reason, have any contention of even winning the AFC West, let alone making it to the playoffs where a playoff will now, matter of fact, news break will cut from that. The NFL competition committee has been discussing on a contingency plan 
for a new playoff format if the continued uptick of COVID-19 continues to spike. And with that, it will include the four divisional winners from each, um, each conference. So you'll have your four AFC winners, your four NFC winners, and then four more teams from each division that are, you know, represented right after that. Those teams will go into a bracket, of course, that makes 16. They'll be seated accordingly, and that will be our playoffs. That will only happen if games are lost, if there's no more, uh, there, there isn't any capabilities of moving by weeks or anything like that, then they will start to implement this plan and they will go into a 16-team bracket for the playoffs. Now, for me, I knew something like this was going to start happening or at least being talked about. I thought it was going to happen weeks ago. Because when the NFL uh, NFL committee and the NFLPA were getting together at the beginning of the season, they're trying to lock down a deal. I figured something like this would would have been discussed in that meeting, which it may have may have been, and then just now being brought out uh, due to the fact that there are more uh, clubs being shut down, teams working virtually again, things of that nature. All, all of that is starting to happen, so. Yeah, it is time to have this conversation. It is time to have that talk because what happens in hmm, a week or two if, you know, the Steelers run into the same situation that the Raiders did or that the Titans did, and they have a group, whether it's offensive linemen, wide receivers, whatever it may be. What if they have a group? Their bye week is already gone. They got forced to move their bye week early. Now they have to play all their games straight, which is already a battle of attrition for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But now, what if they run into that speed bump again? Now they run into a situation where, okay, we can't move a bye week anymore. We don't have any other situation other than to lose a game. Which now... You know, the the first first line of defense was we'll make a week 18 and we will have everyone play on that. Or the Pro Bowl day that typically would be um, a date. We'll just move that forward, add another extra week to that since the Pro Bowl will not happen. And then now we have two weeks. But that's hard because sometimes um Week 16, week 17, you start seeing, uh, you know, starters being rested, uh, guys sitting out or being on the load management schedule to heal up before the playoffs. So it makes it difficult to add weeks on. And maybe, just maybe, um, it not go over too well with the players oh man oh man so some more breaking news because of that um there are no new positives coming out of the Packers locker room but that does not include Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon 
um, who are out Thursday night due to the COVID protocols. So they are doing more testing after that uh, to see what is going on. But Green Bay's uh, only healthy running backs are uh, Dexter Williams and Tyler Irving. So fortunately for them, they are going against a 49ers team that have been snapped by Thanos since the Super Bowl and have not seen a a game with any healthy players. Uh, and that's that's tough for them, but that is what it is. I mean, it's it's a new kind of year, new kind of season, and everything is a little bit different. So, man, it's just uh, it's getting harder and harder. But this goes to exactly what I was saying and the fact that we don't we don't know how this is going to go. Uh, it can continue and continue. I mean, last week, last week I was so excited because we were heading towards the middle of the season. Um, you know, a lot of people didn't think we would get more than a couple weeks in without doing some sort of bubble or containment season. Um, so the fact that people have been able to travel, the fact that people have been able to kind of uh, emulate close to what would normally be a normal football season, fans are starting to get let in at more and more arenas. It's It gave a lot of optimism on where we're going to go. And we're in that weird spot where you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. We're right in the middle. And for fans, it's more, it's more promising than it is for the players. For the players, they, they don't see the light at the end or the beginning of the tunnel. And that's why you're starting to see a lot more frustration. That's why you're starting to see a lot more fights, a lot more pushing and shoving, a lot more tension in division games, things like that, because they were already tired in the regular grand scheme of things when it comes to a football season. Because this is the time where you basically you rip off the callus and you start to build a new one. So then heading into those big important weeks, you know, December football, then you've built up a new stronger callus and you're a, you're about that shit. You're you're ready to roll. Right now is that you've just peeled back the first callus and you're at that raw skin level. That's where you are. And <laughs> with fights happening around the league, um it's it's starting to show that. During the Bears Saints game, we saw a fight breakout that has now turned into viral memes everywhere um, has now started to already been dealt its punishment. Uh, Wims from the bears has been suspended for two games for the interaction that happened during the Bears saints game. Now he is going to appeal that suspension, which he can do. And if escalated from the appeal, um, he will be able to pre prevent uh, present whatever he feels is necessary to help him in that appeal. He says not only, not only was um, the Saints player in question uh, poking fingers inside the helmets of a teammate, 
but he also spit at him uh, before the altercation actually happened. And that he, of course, just like everyone else, has had fears of the COVID pandemic and has a family at home that he goes home to after, you know, between travel. And it is very difficult for a person to understand the concept of I'm playing this contact sport. I'm getting paid to do this. I signed up to do this. We should all play like we did as well. And if he got spit at or spit on on the field, I think that that reaction is very justified. Now, from game tape, you see that the Saints player actually initiated the situation, which has not gone viral in the viral videos or memes, but he snatched off Wims's mouthpiece first. Now, there's about eight to ten minutes of game time that goes on from that first interaction to the time that he walks over there after the play, snatches his uh, mouthpiece out of his helmet, smacks him, hits him. One thing I don't understand about football altercations to that nature. Why do y'all always punch where there is an excessive amount of hard padding? Everyone just punches right for the head. Like, I, I get it. Pretty much everywhere is padded on the football field, but there's a grand chance you're going to hurt yourself way more than you're going to inflict damage on that, which is why he snatches the mouthpiece and the first hit happens. And it's almost like there's this pause because you expect, you know, the reaction and he didn't get one, but you just hit him. You hit him in the helmet. (laughs) Like it probably felt like one of his teammates, like smacked him in the back of the head, like good play. But then, of course, the altercation breaks out. There's a fight. There's this and that. And and like I said, if he was spit at or spit on, I, <laughs> I get it. Because not only, not only is that like one of the biggest signs of disrespect, but in this climate, in this, you know, realm that we're in right now, come on. You got to do better. You got to be better. And in some situations, that could be, that could be like biological warfare. So that is that is something to think about when you see this video going around and people making memes of it and all that. You know, if you're an NFL fan, dig. You can find it. <laughs> you can find what's really going on outside of just watching the video. Because when I when I saw the same video clip that everyone else is seeing, I just assumed somebody got burnt or maybe he was just talking some shit, said the wrong shit to the wrong person at the wrong time. And he came over there and showed him what it's about. Now, I know that was not the case. <laughs> that was not the case at all. Um, and I, that's pretty funny to me. Um, but there's there's also been more fights. There was a fight during the Florida-Mizzou game. Um, there's been a lot of tension in other places. It, and most of the time, fights stem from, you know, the a rough hit or, you know, somebody says something wild about somebody's family or brother, sister, uncle, whatever. Uh, But lately it looks like it's just fabricated. Like, it's just like, I'm stressed out. I'm fucking tired, blah, blah, blah. 
oh, what you say? You said you said you burnt me, and then all of a sudden it's like we throwing hands now. What I will say, everybody should be like Aaron Donald if y'all gonna fight with pads on. And <laughs> I remember when Aaron Donald had an altercation, he took all his pads off, put his helmet on, and said, "Yo, meet me in the middle of the field after the game." That was. To me, that was the most G football shit I had ever seen, at least of, of this football era. But we have to get back to the, <laughs> the big thing at hand, and that is these apologies that need to be heard all around. <clears throat> so I'll, I'll get to the big one now because it just seems like it's that time. So I have to apologize to the pit pit. Hmm. See, see how hard this is for me to for me to like coax this out. It's it's not it's not coaxing because this is genuine. This is absolutely a hundred percent genuine. I have to apologize to the Steelers fandom. I have to apologize to the terrible towel waving, you know, yellow and black. The Pittsburgh Steelers fandom. And this is why. Last week, I put out a little clip, an excerpt, whatever, of uh, my podcast episode. And it featured choice words that I had for the Steelers and their fans. You know, a lot of, I don't believe in this team. They haven't played anybody. Uh, malarkey, malarkey, like all, all those kind of things. Um, how their fandom is so loud all of a sudden when, you know, they didn't speak of anything when they had an animal at a quarterback and Duck Hodges. And when Mason Rudolph got smacked with his own helmet, Pittsburgh fans were very quiet then. Uh, Antonio Brown issues and Lev Bell issues, you know, everything's really been downplayed with them. And now Big Ben is back. He's turned his life around. He's a man of God. And Juju has proven that he's not really a one, but he does enough to, you know, help the team. The defense is out of this world. And now, you know, a lot of conversation has come from them. And I had a lot of choice words to say to the Steeler fandom. So I will say this now. Steelers fans, I apologize and the fact that you feel your team is so good, the fact that this undefeated record against bum-ass teams have you so charged up that you have to talk the ill-advised nonsense that you have been. I am sorry to say this to you, but I apologize for you all being in this false sense of just security and the fact that you feel you are going to steamroll and go into the playoffs and win because your team is engineered for a championship. This is Big Ben's swan song. I apologize that you believe every bit of that. (laughs) It is hilarious to me to sit back and watch you all glorify. Glorify a team that... (laughs) has played nobody and has done nothing. But yet, if this was the other way around, because you all have done it, if this was the other way around and it were the Patriots or the Colts 
or the Ravens. Oh, they're not that good. They haven't played anyone. Oh, wait till they meet us in the playoffs. Then they'll finally see a real team. Now it's a little different with the Ravens. You see them two times a year. But everyone else, that's that's how it's always been in the AFC. Oh, they haven't played anybody. They're overhyped. Look at us. Look at what we're doing. <laughs> you guys are a joke. And, and to back it up, because I feel like I haven't done it enough, to back it up, I will go through each game you've had really quickly and show you how much this that this 7 and 0 is probably the most underwhelming 7 and 0 I've seen in a long time once again you open the season with the giants we all know who the giants are we knew then and we know now it is nothing counterfeit about it they will play you tough literally until you make an adjustment and once you make that adjustment they will fall apart Giants, dub. Broncos, dub. I don't even have to say anything about that. Texans, they shipped out their number one wide receiver for a pack of Skittles and rubber bands. Deshaun Watson is helpless back there. Dub. Eagles, I literally opened the show talking about how bad Carson Wentz is. Yes, it's a dub. Browns, up and sadly the browns are the best team that you face outside of the ravens <laughs> titans that was your first little lick of real competition and they took you to the damn wire that was your first lick of a team that was in the playoffs last year well Outside of the Texans, but like, can you really saw what they did? But the the Titans went on a playoff run last year. Their continuity is pretty well together. Coaching, line discipline, quarterback play, run play, defense. They have a solid squad. And they took you to the damn wire. Now, most people will say, you need games like that. You need games. You need good games against good teams. You need to be able to win them, whether if it's hard or whichever. Because that proves to you what kind of team you are. But that doesn't prove to me how good this team is when it's just been that one game. So then I said last week, okay, you have another tick of competition. Even though it's against a team I don't believe in and the Baltimore Ravens, because I saw how we just manhandled them, which we don't do that against them. All of our games against them since Lamar Jackson has been quarterback and Pat Mahomes has been quarterback have been close games, have been tough games. That game that we had against them, it was like we did whatever we wanted. And right then I knew this is not the same Ravens team. Lamar Jackson does not have the same confidence. He has not improved since the previous year. And I didn't think he was that great the year before. But, so, you play the Ravens. And everyone, I, I it was so crazy how 
my inboxes and comments and Facebook posts and all that started to light up right at the end of this game because I'm thinking it's Chiefs fans since we both played at one o'clock. I'm thinking it's my normal Twitter followers or, you know, my normal Facebook football people, all this kind of stuff. Maybe a little uptick because the podcast is trending upwards and things of that nature. I'm thinking it's just regular things like that. No, 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 no. It's these Steeler fans that came in. A dub is a dub. Oh, we beat the Ravens. How do you feel now? Oh, you want to say we're still malarkey? This Yes. And I'm sorry about it. Because when Lamar Jackson is too focused on being QB3 for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you're going to win the game. When he gives you more opportunities to touch the ball than your offense does, yes, you are going to win the game. This game, due to the mistakes of Lamar Jackson, the Steelers should have put up a 50-burger. This should not have gone down to... It should not have gone down to fourth and goal. (laughs) Open shotgun set. Quarterback draw. It should not have come down to that. It should not have come down to option play, 10 yards, option play, 12 yards, outside zone, 15 yards, pass play. I don't get it. it. It should not have. If you're winning on the option on both sides, That's what the Ravens had going for them. They were winning on the option on both sides of the field. And matter of fact, Lamar didn't even hang on to it. It was always pitched out. And they were still getting automatic first downs off the option. Then you get, you get into the red zone and you just forgot how you got there. I don't I don't get it. You literally forgot how you got there. So then what do you do? You just literally fumble it away like you did the rest of the game. No, Pittsburgh defense didn't look terrifying. No, the Ravens didn't give up that great of competition. But no, I'm, silly Steelers. No. This this ain't it. This ain't it. And what's sad is that this schedule is going to continue to feed your ego. I already can see in the fact that you guys will go undefeated for a very long time. There will be a trap game in there somewhere where you guys will drop one and everybody will be like, you know, there'll be one half of the sports media that be like, oh, shit, the Steelers should have never lost this one. I'll be sitting here like I told you I was going to be a trap game. I'm not going to dive too much into that. Now, if it's a trap game against a very good team, then I will tell you something. But there's not many good teams in this schedule. There's just There just isn't. Like right now, looking, you see the Cowboys next. Fucking, if Andy Dalton isn't out of concussion protocol, you have to see Ben DiNucci again. And we see... Okay, yeah. 
Then you'll see the Bengals, which, I mean, Joe, Joe Burrow put up a, that whole team put up a very good game against the Titans. But I, I don't, that's, that's hard to even look at Cincy and be like, are they good? Now, I've been wanting this. I've been wanting Joe Burrow to get some wins. I've been wanting him to succeed, but it is hard to look at that team and be like, oh, they're going to win. That's it's very difficult to do. Then you see the Jags. Come on. <laughs> then you see the Ravens again. Um, and it's... What are you going to do? I think that one's Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving primetime is uh, Raven Steelers. And to me, it's one of those things where this is the game you could possibly lose and you'll split split the uh, division with them. Um, that's, the, that's the closest thing. But I don't have hope in the Ravens. I I don't know what I could say about the Ravens that would convince me that they are a better team than most teams in the league. Then you have Washington, which Washington, to me, at this moment, only, only has defense. Uh, Kyle Allen just doesn't doesn't do it for me at quarterback. I would love to see Alex Smith out there, but we do know the limitations and things of Alex Smith, and I know you don't just want to rush him out there. The Bills, I don't know what they're going to be in two months. I have no idea. Well, in a month and 10 days. But I, I have no idea what they're going to be because they're they're fluctuating so much. They don't have their identity set yet. Um, I felt like they were trying to emulate a, a Titans with Chiefs type offense. But it's they're no longer remembering when Derrick Henry is behind them anymore. I don't know. I don't know why I said Derrick Henry. Um, <laughs> the Titans definitely have forgotten that Derrick Henry is back there. But for the Bills, they have forgotten that, you know, they have a similar rushing attack. Um, it's definitely not as strong as Derrick Henry is as one person. But they're they're okay. They're an okay football team. And they are just teetering on who they want to be and how they want to play. Uh, then you see the Bengals against the Colts and then the Browns. You're not going to tell me. There's any competition for the rest of now. They say the Chiefs have the easiest schedule, which I don't understand because we still have the Buccaneers, the Saints. Um, of course, we still have the Raiders one more time, the Broncos one more time. <sighs> like, we at least have two teams that can, you know, compete. I I see one team that can compete, and that the, that's it here. Cowboys, nope. Bengals, eh, maybe. Jags, nope. Ravens, we'll see. Washington, no. Bills, yeah. Bengals, nope. Colts, well, I mean, if it's the Colts that showed up this past week, then maybe the Colts just show the fuck up and and run the trap. I have no idea, but I I highly doubt that because Philip Rivers is the most hot and cold, one of the most hot and cold quarterbacks. On the planet, he's either going to throw three touchdowns to your team or to the other team, and I don't, I don't know which Philip Rivers is going to show up on December twenty seventh. I have no idea. And then you see the Browns in January. Who knows what Browns team that's going to be, and if that Browns team is going to be 
in contention for playoff football? Or is this going to be a Browns team that fell apart right around this time of the year and just hadn't hadn't cared to pick it back up? Odell's out for the rest of the season. You see how Baker Mayfield plays in, you know, weather-like conditions. You see how the coaches react to weather-like conditions. I mean, the fact that the Browns lost 16-6 to to the Vegas Raiders is laughable. <laughs> it is straight laughable to me. And um, it's, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But Steelers fans, yes. I apologize for everything that was said. I apologize for uh, the mindset that you're in. I apologize for the confidence that will sooner than later uh, be smashed because it's just not it. And all of sports media and things of that nature are like, well, what, what more do the Steelers have to do to prove to you that they're a good team? That's, you know, that's what they're asking. And you hear very, you know, so-so answers. like, Oh, well, you know, they have to beat a bad team. Very good. <laughs> no, they, they just have to show me they're a, a complete team. Like looking at that offense. Sorry. It's not, it's not cutting it. Oh, we're a defensive based team. Cool. Um, there are teams out there that you have not played that know how to pass protect. Your blitzes are not exotic. You have you have guys, you have dudes on the team. Don't get me wrong. You have some fucking well, NFL caliber athletes that do very well at their job. But you haven't seen anyone that is that good on the opposite side of the ball yet. Every O-line that I look at at each team that you've played is awful. Everyone. Or they have a quarterback who holds on to the ball too long. That is a fact. (laughs) Now, like one Steelers fan said to me in my inbox after the Steelers won, a W is a W. And you're absolutely right. But when we get to the postseason and you guys are seated up against someone (laughs) that just matches up too good or someone you've seen more than one time, like the Titans or the Ravens, I don't know. I don't know. That same shit ain't going to work again. And we saw the Titans be the the Cinderella story of last year's playoffs and be every team that they shouldn't have. And as much as people want this to be Big Ben Swan song, Mike Tomlin finally rallies the troops after the Antonio Brown and Love Bell debacle and Ben being in and out and the new robot elbow and all these things. Let's think about this. Patrick Mahomes got to beat every star caliber quarterback since he's been in the NFL. Outside of the ones that he plays this year. 
He plays Drew Brees. He plays Tom Brady again. He would have seen Aaron Rodgers if he didn't dislocate his knee. But he has gone on this tour of playing against all of the upper echelon, similar to what Joe, uh, wow, why can't I think of his name right now? Uh, Herbert is going through right now. He's playing all of the top-tier quarterbacks. And one of the few that is left is Big Ben. He has not been able to play. Last time he played the Steelers, uh, Ben was already, I believe, starting to get hurt. I don't think he was pulled just yet. Um, but even if he did play against him, he has not played against him in a high-stakes game, and that's that's what I mean. Because when he's played Tom Brady every time, it's been a high-stakes situation. Uh, <laughs> when, when, I mean, shit, I could go on and on, but he's going to see Drew Brees later this year. Matter of fact, he's going to see Matt Ryan, which I don't believe is a high-tier quarterback, but in the NFL grand scheme of things, they say that he is. But he has not seen Big Ben in a high-stakes game, whether if it's seeding, whether if it's playoffs, whatever. And there is a chance that Steelers see the Chiefs. And come on, we've written the story already. You have the high power defense that can do everything that's so fast and can blitz and rush. You have the high powered offense that's so fast and they can defeat man to man and zone. And you have Pat Mahomes coming back 10 points under and winning by 11 in the Super Bowl. Are we serious right now? Are we are we really like football is all about matchups. Same thing with UFC, wrestling, basketball, you know, any sport. It's about matchups. Is my best quality, is my best, my very best, is my very best thing going to beat your very worst? It doesn't matter about what your very best is if my very best and my very worst are better than yours. Their best thing is their blitz, their pass rush, their their defensive side of the ball. Our very best side is our offense, escapability in the pocket, off-script plays. That draws up a bad situation for the Steelers because they are not very good at off-script plays because they haven't seen a lot of off-script plays. When their pass rushers rush, they hit. Lamar Jackson forgot he could fucking run during the game. And when he did, he fumbled. Now, division games are always going to be so much harder. You see that team two times a year every year. They've seen Lamar Jackson enough to, you know, put together a decent game plan. And that decent game plan barely skated them by. I can tell you this, and this is something I will not be apologetic about. (laughs) If the Steelers have to play the Chiefs, it will be a matchup nightmare. 
I am not going to call who wins or loses because I don't do that with my team. But I will say, if you meet any other team that has more to them than a semi-promising quarterback in a decent O-line, they're going to be a matchup problem for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's what I have to say about the Steelers. So in other news around the league, uh, trade deadline comes up at 4 p.m. today. So far, there hasn't been too much that has come out outside of what's happened earlier this week. Um, and still nothing to really go out so far. Uh, but what's great is that I have a feeling that it's it's hard right now with it being trade deadline day, election day. Uh, all the facilities are shut down so that the like practices and stuff like that were shut down today. So uh, players and, you know, staff members and head coaches and all that can go and vote. Uh, so I do believe if there is going to be any more major moves, it will happen right at the deadline. Um, and plus these are going to be moves that are probably more for depth than for anything else. And the reason why I say that is because it takes so long now for a player, once they're traded, to get into the locker room, start practicing with people, start learning, you know, the schemes, the playbooks, all that because of COVID, that this, whatever trade move you're making is a, you know, postseason move. Uh, because if you get traded today, <clears throat> the transaction the transaction will go through and everything else will go through. You won't be able to go into the facility until next Thursday. <clears throat> now, if they're on a buy, that's a little different, but you, you won't be able to enter the facility. Like Antonio Brown, I believe is entering the facility today, today or tomorrow, something like that. It's just that difficult now because you have to go through the testing and the quarantines and all that, especially if you haven't been on a team. Antonio Brown hasn't been on a team, so they definitely had to watch that. But with everything else, it's 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 just a funny fact that um, yeah, whatever whatever you go through, then. You know, that that transaction is going to take that long. Uh, sorry, I was looking at Twitter, seeing uh, what the hell is going on. And uh, somebody started quoting stuff from my podcast, but they felt it was addressed to them, which it wasn't, which is the funny part. I don't know. Anyways, that's that's that. I don't know what the hell that has to do with anything. Uh, but with what I was saying, I think it is very funny, uh, that teams are, well, fandoms are pushing and pulling to try to get their teams to, you know, make a move and do more things. And it's like, unless you plan on going to the playoffs, unless you plan on making a serious run, it either isn't worth the cap space or it's just not the, the timing isn't right. 
it just isn't. And it sucks because I'm sure the 49ers would love to pretty much draft an entire new team. Because if you haven't heard, the 49ers basically have no one anymore. Their, <laughs> their injury reserve and their injury list looks like a flag football team roster. Uh, with Jimmy G out now, we don't know how long because they're going to further test his injury and see if it requires surgery or not. But they're talking six weeks. Then you got George Kittle, who's out for eight. Nick Bosa, still out. Raheem Mostert, he's out. Quan Alexander, they just shipped off to the Saints for a sixth. Like, they always talk about the Super Super Bowl hangover. And I know I've mentioned it before, but this, this is that. Like, yes, the injury bug is very deep uh, in the NFL this year, but it's it's not like this. I don't know what they did during the offseason. I don't know if you could really attribute this to their actions or <clears throat> if just things haven't gone well for them. But, man, this is – it's bad. It's really bad. And I, I hate to say it, but the 49ers probably will not be in contention for anything. Um, their division is way too tough, um, and they roll—they are rolling up onto some tough games where it's like, I like Nick Mullins. I don't know who or where the hell Nick Mullins came from, but every time he comes on the field in the past two years when Jimmy G is hurt, which I will talk about how Jimmy G is creeping in to my Carson Wentz you know, section, but and Nick Mullins always seems to ball out, even though he's usually in during garbage time. But there's been games where Nick Mullins has come in and shown that he's... Fuck, Washington would do very well if they had Nick Mullins. That's how that's how much I that Nick Mullins has proved to me on tape that he, he is serviceable. And it's not just with Kittle on the field. Because Kittle wasn't on the field the entire time he was on the field. Um, the last game. And to go toe-to-toe with that Seahawks team? <clears throat> I mean, come on. What what more can you ask of the kid? It seems like Nick Mullins, every time he comes in, he he's chomping at the bit. But he has to play the Packers, the Saints, the Rams, the Bills. Like, you don't really get a break till you see Washington and the Cowboys. I, 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 literally, that's it. And then, then you got Cardinals and then Seahawks again. Like, eh, that's hard with Kittle out for the rest of the season, at least the regular season. And then you got Jimmy G, who could show up maybe right towards the end. But do you play him right at the end? Do you save him for the playoffs? Or if Nick Mullins goes on a tear, do you just ride the Mullins train and see if you can recreate that? You know, Carson Wentz and Nick Foles magic. Who knows? The NFC's fucking weird. But, man, oh, man. It's a, it's a wild-ass train right now. And I think, uh, I think today's going to be very interesting. Uh, like I've mentioned with the election, with the trade deadline, with it moving towards holiday season, um, because now officially, I, I think 
uh, Halloween is like the precursor to Halloween, uh, to holiday season. I don't really see it as like a big holiday. Uh, but going into Thanksgiving, Christmas, like we're about to roll into the shopping season for that and all those things. And it's like, man, this, the end of this year is going to be a season finale to never forget. I mean, we've been talking all year about how we're going to talk about 2020 to our grandkids for a long time. And it's like, we hadn't even got to the, to the meat yet. Like this is, Matter of fact, this right here today, today and tomorrow is like the part one of a three-part season finale. And we're about to get part one and then we go on like a two-week break until we get two and three. That's literally what we're about to roll into right now. And man, it's going to get real interesting. But with that, I got two things to say before I go to my break. One, we're going to go live on IG uh for the second hour uh we're still going to be on here but we're going to go live on IG on the second hour uh just to generate some more talk bring some people in um let some people know what what goes on Tuesdays and Thursdays um so I will be live on that so I'll have both chats up in front of me so I'll be able to see both uh also if you are a artist of any kind musically doesn't matter the genre um and you want to share your music on here for some free advertisement uh some cross uh cross promotion things of that nature uh let me know or share this out to people that you do know uh because i am looking to not only just play my music during breaks but also to share the people around me and the talent that goes on around me and all that, because I have singer songwriters, dancers, uh, all that kind of stuff around me. And I just want to put, put that media out on a platform as much as I can. So with that being said, we're going to take this break. We're going to set up the IG live. We'll come back with some business to handle. And then we will get into the predictions for week nine of NFL motherfucking football then of course news around the league trade deadline things all of that stuff so i will see you right back on the other side of this
and we are back um we are now live on ig and we are on here uh we just here to talk some shit but before we get into all of that um i do have some business for you if you are interested in any and i mean any kansas city uh memorabilia especially signed autographs of that nature go to total sports enterprises kc and they have everything there for you from signed jerseys, signed footballs to sign um, uh, helmets. They got everybody from Patrick Mahomes still. I don't I don't know how those jerseys haven't sold out yet, but they're, they're still there. Patrick Mahomes, Frank Clark, uh, Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill. They are now previewing. They are now previewing uh, signed jerseys from Tyron Matthew, also previewing signed jerseys from Brashad Breland. So if you're looking for any Kansas City Chiefs signed memorabilia, go to Total Sports Kansas City and they got everything for you. Now, let's get to everything that we've had at hand. So, so far I've sat here and I have apologized to the Steelers fandom. I've apologized to the Eagles fandom. I even, I don't know if I even really apologized to the Cowboys, but I, I talked to the Cowboys a little bit about... Man, it's just it's just not going good for any of these teams besides the Steelers. And if you feel the Steelers are going good, it's just a f- uh, false sense of security. Uh, if you haven't heard my apologize from for the Steelers, then you can hear this back on Spotify or um, any major place that you hear your your podcast from. But look, seven and zero that is great. That is great. But when you play middle school and high school uh, tier NFL teams, that's where you're going to get. That's the only thing you're going to get out of that. And I'm sorry to say to you, but the Pittsburgh Steelers have not convinced me in any sort of kind of way that if they went against a top caliber team, not not the New York Giants, not the Houston Texans, not the Cleveland Browns, then it's going to be an issue. Your best competition has been the Titans, maybe the Ravens. What up? Okay, okay, we got Kansas City Podcast in the IG Live. That's what I'm talking about. What up, y'all? I am not worried about the Steelers. I am not convinced that the Steelers can play good ball against a very good football team. When you have an efficient offense, that's already troublesome for the Pittsburgh Steelers because all all their hope is in in their defense. They remind me so much of the 49ers last year without the rushing attack. That's the problem. They do not have anything on offense that scares me. Juju is supposed to be your number one, and he does not. He's not a number one for me. James Conner, a very decent running back. He is not that guy that... If, if if it's my team, if it's the Kansas City Chiefs, and we are down by seven against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Pittsburgh has the ball, James Conner does not scare me in the fact that I know they can grind out the clock and we will not get the ball back. And then you have, we're not, we're not going to talk about the Chiefs. We're not going to talk about the Chiefs right now. Not yet, not yet, not yet. <clears throat> but then you, there is nothing about the Steelers team that tells me when they get into the playoffs, they're going to do exactly what they've done this year. It's just not going to happen. 
I'm sorry. Yes, they're seven and zero. Yes, they've beaten every team that they've played. But it's very similar to the Patriots during their final tenure that when you have a division of bum teams and then your schedule's all also matched up to play other bum teams, you get a good bit of a break. You get a situation where there's some games that are just gimmies. <coughs> Excuse me. Experience and coaching. Yes. Their coaching is elite. Yeah, I believe Mike Tomlin should have got coach of the year probably the past two, two to three years just based on the fact that the problems with Antonio Brown were not even, they weren't even close to publicized. Like they were the second he went to Oakland, the second he, he went to New England, like all of that. It, it's crazy. And then the amount of wins, the consistency, the fact that he was still winning football games with, uh, with Mason Rudolph and, and Duck Hodges and all that. I get it. I, I am a Mike Tomlin fan. The experience, on the other hand, you have to remember that when it comes to your wide receiver room, it is very young. Granted, Pittsburgh drafts and scouts wide receivers very well. But their wide receiver room is very young. Their defense. It's pretty young. Most of them have not even seen a postseason game. They're most <laughs> like it's 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 so much to dive into and say that even though they've played bad teams, they are still a very good team. No, I, I haven't been convinced that they are as good as what their record says or what they say or what their fans say. I think their fans are caught into the hype of oh, you know, we're finally winning. Big Ben's back. This is our time. We want to, you know, take away the mantle from Tom Brady and get seven rings before the Patriots do. Like, come on. Come on. Because I've talked to plenty of Steelers fans, and that's what they're caught up on. They are caught up on the fact that they can get seven rings before the Patriots do. And if that's what you're caught up on, you're not going to win. <laughs> and you're going to be very disappointed. And you're going to have to go back to this podcast. You're going to have to go on Spotify and listen to this replay and listen to the apology that I gave you in the first hour. Because when you do that, that is when you will see that I, I was on this train way before it even started. Oh, oh man, oh, man. So let's talk about uh, the Chiefs now. We'll do that now. Um, and it won't be too long. So the Chiefs played the Jets in a game where everyone was asking, uh, you know, the Chiefs, the Chiefs fandom shouldn't really say too much. Um, it, it'll be an easy game for them. They'll be able to blow it out. And then that's it. Cool. Now, to me, there are things that counter that statement because there is a thing called trap games where. A team could go in a little too confident. A team could go in kind of looking towards next week and they don't play too well. They don't look well. They don't play well. They don't, they don't see the team that's in front of them. They're looking towards the next week. And that trap game can result in a few L's. That trap game can result in losing to a very bad team. But it takes a team that has consistency and dedication and um, attention to detail 
it takes teams like that to be able to run through bad teams. So that's why when we did beat the Jets, by the margin that we beat the Jets, not only was it well-deserved, but it showed a lot in the fact that, yeah, we're going to face bad teams. Just like the Steelers, you're going to face bad teams. You don't play down to that competition, which the Steelers have a bad, bad knack at doing. It's always playing down to teams. Instead of excelling and being that team of like, we know who we are, we know how we play, we're going to play Steeler football. They, and they don't do the thing where it's like, oh, we morph our game plan to the team. No, they literally play down to the team. And it makes no sense to me, but that will be their downfall, especially when a, when a team plays <clears throat> too high above and they don't have a chance to adjust. I don't see the Steelers being in a situation where they're down 21, 28 to a team that can put up points. And they can come back or compete. I don't see that. But the Chiefs play the Jets. Um, Patrick Mahomes right now is putting up numbers to where it seems like it's a normal day-to-day basis, uh, but it hasn't been, not this season. Um, But the reaction was like it was a normal day-to-day. I mean, you throw five touchdowns, 400 yards, you're all over ESPN for the entire week. and. That hasn't been the case. Uh, I, I've had to search, which typically hasn't been the case in the past year or so. I've had to search to see uh, news outlets talk about the Chiefs. I used to have to do that years ago. Uh, so it is very interesting to me that I, I had to do that now on a day where our quarterback, which if those numbers were put on anyone else, literally anyone else in the league, it would be insane. Could you imagine if Tom Brady threw five touchdowns, 400 yards? We'd see his fucking face on the news every day. If Ben did it, if Aaron Rodgers did it, if Russell Wilson did it, if Jimmy G did it, like literally you could put anyone's name. It would be everywhere. But Pat Mahomes has put up this bar that makes it almost normal. Almost normal. But let's check out the chat real quick. Ben has the experience we need. Our off, our defense is fine. Mm, fine. That is the most underselling uh, way to speak about the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Uh, ben was the spark. Agreed. Schedule is eh, but our division keeps the bar high. And we are not racing the pads I'm about to call. Okay. Well, we'll see where that goes. Um, but I... I don't believe the division keeps the bar high because you're in a division where your highest competition is the Ravens. The Browns have not yet entered into that echelon to where I can say they made the division troubling. They just haven't. And when it comes to the North, maybe if Joe Burrow doesn't get knocked around like a pinball enough, Maybe he stays healthy enough for that organization to build a team around him. Then maybe they can become something. But I, I don't. I don't see the division being the thing that keeps the bar high. Your best games. I, I look. I have nothing else to say about the Steelers and the Steelers fandom. I think I have said enough. 
I think that um, if anyone that is just jumping in hasn't heard, I apologize to the Steelers fandom at the beginning of the episode. Um, if you want to check that out, you can check this out when it jumps on Spotify and all of that. But I, I just don't have anything else to say to them. So what we will do is we will jump into the games for this week and how I feel things will go. <sighs> because week nine may be one of the last normal weeks we see with the competition committee going in and coming up with this contingency plan on how this playoff scheme is going to go. Because if you missed it in the first hour, the competition committee has gotten together and they are coming together with a contingency plan on what they will do if there are any more lost games due to the COVID-19 uh, outbreak or pandemic or however you want to put it. Uh, because now there are more teams slowly but surely starting to shut down their um, their sites. I mean, everyone is shut down today to allow the team and their staff to go and vote. But there are more and more uh, teammates and uh staff members that are being reported testing positive. So now their new scheme is the fact that they are going to seed a 16-team playoff uh, playoff schedule where you'll have your four, four divisional winners uh, as of right now from each conference, and then you will have uh, four other teams from each conference that will be slated in and then ranked in and they will play off of that 16 16 team schedule. So with that already being in the talks and it hasn't been presented to owners yet, but with that being in the talks that already lets me know that um things are probably going to get a little interesting probably around week 10, week 11. Um things are going to get real interesting for teams that are allowed in uh, the playoffs and who will barely make it into the playoffs. I mean, a 16, a 16 game, I mean, a 16 team playoff. I mean, it's going to allow a lot more than expected, uh, especially in the caliber of teams and how things shake out. I mean, if you've done just enough to hang around your division, then there's a grand possibility you're going to be in the playoffs and no one would have expected that. Uh, so we will see how things go with that. Um, I mean, I know there are teams that know there are lost calls, and that's that's where they are. Um, but I spoke on something earlier, and I I want to I want to jump back to that because I need to prove a point on another team that I believe is a lot of hype and not not so much substance. So let's talk about the game that was last night before we move to this upcoming week. Last night, the New York football giants took on Tom Brady in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And when I mean took on, they actually took on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady was at a point where his offense stalled out <laughs> so much to where they had to settle for field goals as the Giants were scoring touchdowns. That is baffling to me. It got to the point where the game was 14 to six and Tom Brady did not throw a single touchdown. I had a conversation with a friend of mine 
that said Tom Brady is on his way to a MVP caliber season. I had a conversation with a Buccaneers fan that said our offense is looking unstoppable. Our defense is playing fast and I'm looking at our schedule and I don't see anyone that can beat us. And then literally last night, Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones started to play like he was in Madden. Well, and the controller was glitching a little bit because his play was not great. Neither, neither play on each side of the ball was great. There was, there was no one on the field besides some players in the secondary from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that impressed me. Tom Brady played a very below average game. Tampa Bay has uh, every wideout is injured and then trying to play injured and then they're out for two or three more games. Then they come back and they're still injured. <coughs> they're going through a lot. But I'm not going to give that excuse to Tom Brady because I have seen Tom Brady win championships with scrubs. That's all I'm going to say. You are not going to come and speak on Tom Brady's playing with injured players. He's playing with, with scrubs. He's playing with this or that. When he has made a career on winning championships in that said situation. And he even has his guy in Gronkowski, Gronkowski who ends up being his go-to in those situations. He has made jersey numbers into names by throwing them the ball. So I cannot buy Tom Brady playing with injured players or backups or whatever they may be as an excuse. But I will say, shit didn't look good. Shit did not look good. <laughs> and Danny Dimes is playing with a whole, I mean, his team ain't that great either. And it really put in this perspective. Okay, well, what did I say my very first episode? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers is just a, they have the paper championship. Everything looks good. All the names look great. Oh, we're adding Antonio Brown to it now. Everything looks good. But what does it all really mean? Does it mean that this team can gel together and have some cohesiveness and play disciplined football and actually, you know, win some important games, go off to the playoffs, make a run? Or is it just a is it just names on a paper? I believe it's just names on a paper. I I don't believe in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. With Antonio Brown, without Antonio Browns, there, there are there are games, there are moments in athletes' careers and athletes' lives in in teens' lives that I look, and there are certain things that I can't overlook. And one of those things, like I've mentioned before with the Buffalo Bills, when <clears throat> Josh Allen pitched the ball behind his back at the, you know, <laughs> deciding drive of a playoff game, that showed me his maturity. That showed me. You know, what what he thinks, what what's his impulse in clutch situations. When it came to this game, I look at it and I'm like, if it was not for 
Daniel Dimes being a bum. Literally, if they had a slight upgrade at quarterback, and I don't even mean like C to B, I mean like C to C plus. The Giants would have won that game. Daniel Jones had four missed deep shots that were wide open. And they could have won that game. It's so bad. It is so bad because if you look at the potential, the potential misplays on Tom Brady's side, even if they all synced up, the Giants are still winning by 10. That's not good for me. That's not good for me for this team that everybody says is the most all-star, pro bowl loaded. Like, come on. Well, one, can they stay healthy? Two, do they have enough time to be able to build that chemistry that you would need out of the players of that caliber? Antonio Brown is coming in right now. So, yes, he'll probably be fully immersed by the playoffs. But are you really counting on the Saints to fail? The Falcons have failed. The Panthers are they're floating around. But when you have to start counting on teams like, oh, well, I hope I hope the Saints can uh, keep being wishy-washy. Then, you know, we got a we got a front runner to the like, that's whack. That's whack. And I agree if Antonio Brown can stay on the field until the playoffs, that's great. He's finally turned his life around. I guess he found his guy in Tom Brady that he can, you know, steer straight for. I have no idea. We all have no idea how Antonio Brown is going to shake out. And what's funny is that Bruce Arians took the he took the the celebration for bringing in Antonio Brown. He said Tom Brady didn't have anything to do with it. He said that it's been a discussion in the front office for a while. We decided to make the move now. Even though we all know Tom Brady was the orchestrator of all of this, just like how Bruce Arians' offense has been tailored and changed. That's never happened. But when you have Tom Brady coming in your system, that also brings one of his best weapons in Gronkowski. You're going to change your offense to help tailor that situation. That just makes sense. But what's funny is that if A.B. does not work out, if A.B. ends up being some major issue, personality, contrast, whatever, I bet you that blame is going to go to Tom Brady. (laughs) I guarantee you it's going to be, well, Tom wanted to see how it was going to work out, and so we took the chance. (sighs) What a shit show. But then again, everyone expected some kind of thing like this to happen out of Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Le'Veon Bell going to the Chiefs. Oh, we don't. We don't want that. We don't want that cancerous teammate in here. We don't want those problems. That's what a lot of people were saying, inside and outside of Chiefs fan. But I, I will tell you this: when they say winning cures all, winning cures all. <laughs> you notice that when Antonio Brown was going to teams that were not winning, he was an issue. He didn't even get to play a game for the Raiders. But he probably caught a few passes or got underthrew or overthrown some passes from Derek Carr and was like, I got to get the fuck up out of here. I'm freezing my feet tomorrow. And then my helmet looked a little whack 
fuck it, my helmet don't work, and we're gonna cause a whole bunch of fucking problems. I, I get into. I mean, come on, you you went from Big Ben to Carr. I I promise you, he was in camp and he was like, "Oh hell no, this don't work. I gotta change my address. This motherfucker know where I live. Like, nah, I gotta get the hell up out of here." And then you go to the Patriots. And you got Tom Brady throwing you ball. And for one game, for one game, you ball out. And then some bullshit came back up, and it's like, well, fuck. Like, that was probably his chance. That was probably his chance right there. If he would have had shit cleaned up then when he went to the Patriots, he would still be in the league. We wouldn't have to worry about nothing. But when that shit started popping off, that's it. But when you go to a winning team, a winning culture, it changes everything. And when he goes to the Buccaneers, I bet you things will be different. It'd be just like Lev Bell right now. Every time that they put the camera on him, whether if he, like he got stopped on a fourth and one by his former team in the Jets. And they went right to him and looked at him almost every play break on the bench to see how he was going to react. He's just sitting there shooting the shit, smiling, laughing, all that. Because he knows yeah, he may got stopped on fourth and one. But next time we go out there, we're going to put up seven. And next time we go out there again, we're going to put up seven. And winning cures all. So I assume that Antonio Brown is going to go in and be a different Antonio Brown. I see it happening. But let's get into <laughs> let's get into next week. So Thursday night football, we have Packers versus 49ers. This is going to be an interesting game because the 49ers literally have no one left. Thanos came into the locker room and said, fine, I'll just do it myself. And these motherfuckers are just disappearing all around us. Jimmy G out for six weeks could be more depending on if you need surgery or not. Kittle out for eight weeks. I don't want to hear no more shit about Kittle being better than Kelsey. I don't. Sorry about it, but I'm I'm not hearing the shit no more because even when he's on the field, he's great. He's good. He he blocks, he catches, he he releases, he I get it. But you're not going one I I've told y'all episode by episode, my biggest trait in an athlete is availability. And if you cannot be available, that is a huge knock for me. And now two seasons in a row, I have seen Kittle looking at the field more than being on the field. Jimmy G is about to go into my Carson Wentz basket because he cannot stay on the field. He shows flashes at times, even though Jimmy G's flashes are very different than Carson Wentz's flashes. Carson Wentz's flashes show like athleticism. Jimmy G's show I can stand in the pocket and dump it down two yards for 37. It's a little different. But at least when they're available, they're productive. You can't tell me that Kittle is is in the conversation of being better than Kelsey now because he cannot stay on the field. Kelsey had one year. His rookie year, he had surgery. He had one year. After that, he has literally continued. He has continued to break tight end record after tight end record after tight end record. <laughs> Kittle, come on. Like, 
to me, you're going to turn out to be the guy that got the league to jump on National Tight End Day. Great, George Kittle. Proud of you. It's the best I got. That's the best I got. And I like Kittle as an athlete. I think Kittle is dope, but I'm not I'm not dealing with the slander of Kelsey not being the guy when he is the guy. And that's when it comes to everything a tight end does. Catching, blocking, also reading the zones and tailoring his routes to soft spots in the zone. Also, that's being a distraction. Yes, Kittle demands attention from defenses. But Kelsey, in his footwork, in his head movement, can be more of a distraction just in that, that it opens up for the Demarcus Robinsons, Tyreek Hills, Miko Hartman, Sammy Watkins, all of that. So, yes, Travis Kelsey is better than George Kittle. And I don't have any more argument about that. But anyways, I think the Packers will take this game with a little extra. They got embarrassed by the Vikings. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure why or yeah, I'm not really sure why that happened. I think the, the Packers are a way better football team. I think the Packers definitely need to make a move. They need to make a move uh, before this trade deadline to get anyone that can stop the run. Because if this wasn't a news flash for them on what they need to do to get their team better, um, then they haven't learned. Because you would have thought going into the draft that they would have drafted a stud linebacker or a stud defensive tackle that is known for stopping the run. I, I almost bet money in the fact that Patrick Queen was going to the Packers. And when I saw them trade up, I was like, hmm, interesting. I'm not really sure where they're going to go with this. And then when I saw, before it dropped on TV, when I saw that it was Jordan Love, I could not understand the disrespect to Aaron Rodgers ever. But <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well, maybe they're very confident in their uh defense and or what they're going to do post draft that because that's how i felt when we drafted a running back after our running back scored the go away touchdown for us to win the super bowl i'm thinking damian williams is going to get paid and we may hang on to him for a little bit no we drive clyde edwards hilaire which i'm not mad at the move uh but i assumed that we were going to go linebacker or secondary but the Packers had a way worse issue because they gave up 182 yards before contact to lose to the San Francisco 49ers. So once again, they are now in a situation where they need to be hunting for someone that can stop the run and they have till four o'clock to do it. But with that being said, the 49ers also have every running back, it seems to be possible, hurt. But on the other end, the Packers, their two or three starting running backs have now been in uh, COVID containment uh, due to protocol or a diagnosed positive. So this is going to be a very interesting game. I have a feeling it's going to be all, all Aaron Rodgers versus Nick Mullins. And as much as I like 
Nick Mullins. Aaron Rodgers is going to take the cake. And it's prime time. You know what they say. The stars show up when when the when the lights come on. So it's going to be Aaron Rodgers' game. Uh, and then after that, we get into Sunday, uh, which just begins hilarity, by the way. Uh, Texans-Jags, uh, I feel like that's going to be a game on who, who loses what first. Um, these are neither, t- these are both teams that have dropped off my radar. Uh, the only reason why I even pay attention to the Jags a little bit is because one of my uh homeboys, one of my former co workers, uh, kicks for them, so I paid attention to the Jags a little bit. Uh, but both Texans and Jags have just completely fallen off the radar for them. Uh, I, I just don't care, I, I don't look into anything other than highlights, I don't dive into film on them or anything like that because it's just. There's just no purpose unless I'm looking for a player that's going to be traded, which that all stops today. So who who cares? Uh, Giants-Washington. I believe that the Giants are going to ride a little high on them taking what supposedly is one of the top-tier teams uh, to the edge. Uh, everyone has a lot of controversy on if the last play was defensive pass interference or if it was a bang-bang play and it was right on time. This is what I'm going to say about it. It was a stack design rollout. And if, and with that, I mean, with a mobile quarterback, that is a sidearm throw on the run. It's right there in the corner of the end zone. It's good to go. They did not do it as a designed rollout. It was just a stack spread to the, to the right side. You had your running back in the flat and all all Daniel Jones had to do was <laughs> receive the ball out of the snap and throw it to the flat immediately. Immediately. Because if you look at the film, his running back is open in the flat for the first three steps. After two, he has crossed the, the, the end zone line. For the first three steps, he is wide open. Once he goes to that fourth step, the DB is breaking in, but still open. He's on his fifth step, and that's when Daniel Jones finally decides to throw the ball, which means he gets the six and seven steps. He is covered, and the play is gone. It doesn't matter if it was P.I. or not. That play right there was the pure definition of what Daniel Jones put on tape for the entire game. He was either late. He was unsure. He didn't know how to maneuver in the pocket. He couldn't throw away the ball when he needed to. That was Daniel Jones. So no, that game was not decided by the refs. No, that game was not in favor of Tom Brady. Because if Daniel Jones, matter of fact, don't even factor in the missed opportunities. If Daniel Jones didn't just throw two picks. If he would have just threw away the ball and punted or maybe got a field goal or two out of those drives, game's one. Or if you would have received the ball from the snap, two-step drop, three-step drop, and throw it hot, you have your two-point conversion. You're playing in overtime. Now, I, I have... Trauma situations was playing Tom Brady in overtime. So I'm I'm not going to condone that's what he should have done. But it doesn't matter if it was P.I. or not. And now that P.I. is not reviewable anymore, 
it, whatever. Some people are going to be very happy that they picked up the flag. Other people are going to be mad because they didn't want the refs to decide the end of the game. But I think the Giants are going to ride on a high. They played a very competitive football game. But I believe that Washington defensive front is just, it, they have studs on there. Now, Ryan Kerrigan, uh, one of the guys that have been carrying that defensive front, honestly, uh, has requested a trade. And uh, he's been all over the ball. He has put great film on tape. Um, another another defensive uh, player that would really help out the Packers. Uh, but Ryan Kerrigan requested for a trade. I don't think it's going to happen just because he's put up good football. Also, literally anyone can still win this NFC East division. So... Uh, because who knows, the Eagles could drop two games and all of a sudden someone's right back in it. So, but with that being said, um, just because I don't believe in the quarterback play of Washington a little less than I don't believe in Daniel. I don't know, actually. This this game is also like a, another who gives a fuck game, but it's because it's the NFC East. It's What, what are you going to do? Matter of fact, they should tie. Fuck it. They should tie. That's what I'm going to give them. Uh, Ravens, Colts. Who are the Ravens now? Who are they? Are they still the star-studded team that was tailored for Lamar Jackson? And their rushing attack is incredible and unstoppable. And their defense is fast and in your face. They're not really that team anymore. Is Lamar Jackson developing as a passer like he said he would do for the past two years? And he's this and that. Nope, 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 nope. He's not doing that either. Um, I will say, just like I said after, uh, well, like I said earlier in the podcast, and like I said it in, uh, in week two, Ravens are just a middle-of-the-line team that had a spark last year that uh had some fun last year and now they seem to not be able to handle the fact that now teams are going to play them with a target on their back and not just oh these are the flashy new ravens that's what happens when you have success in the nfl teams start looking at you differently because you are portraying that you are different if you are portraying you are a better team with better players, with better play, with better coaching, people are going to play you better. Even the bad teams are going to play you better. We saw out of the Jets an actual consistent offensive drive for the first time. Granted, it led to a field goal, and all they got was field goals, and then they got nothing. But you saw their best play all year when they played the Chiefs. When you play against teams like that, you bring out everything. And that's how I knew when the Ravens played the Chiefs and they just got bullied, I knew that they were pulling out everything and it was it was not good. It was not good at all. The Colts are starting to develop into something, but I can never believe in Phillip Rivers. So once again, you have a team, you have a game that is two, two teams that I can't believe in the quarterback play. That is hard to deal with. So I'm going to go with the Colts because I would love to see Ravens flock just fucking burn to the ground. <laughs> uh, Lions Vikings. 
the Lions should win. I want the Lions to win. I don't think Dalvin Cook can go for, you know, he can't go for the game that he did last week all the time. I just, uh, I just don't believe in that. I, I can't see that. And I, now Dalvin Cook goes off for the next three games and 200 plus yards at scrimmage and all that shit. Fuck it. Like, Give Cook damn MVP because no, that's that's hilarious. I can't believe I even said that. Matt Stafford's a dog. I just hate that he's wasted his career in Detroit. Lions up on the Vikings. Bears, Titans. Titans got to figure out who they are real quick. Uh, losing a Cincy was was an ugly loss, and I believe I believe that team is good. I believe they have good defense. I believe they can run the ball whenever they want. I believe Ryan Tannehill is a subject to great play calling and having a dominant running back like uh, Derrick Henry. I think that they could see themselves right back in the playoffs. They just have to play smart for the rest of the season. Uh, losing a game to the Bears, which at one time was the most counterfeit 5-2 and two team ever. But, um, yeah, the Titans just have to take care of business. That's, that's all that has to be done with that. Uh, Panthers-Chiefs. I'll get to that last. I'll go to that last. Uh, Seahawks, Bills. This, <laughs> what's funny is that three weeks ago when there were the, everybody was all Josh Allen for MVP, uh, this would have been the battle of the potential MVPs. Now the Bills have fallen so much to the wayside since they lost to us and then they lost another game and then uh, they almost fucking lost to the Jets. Like there, there's a lot of things in there that's exposed the Bills. Uh, the Bills are happy because they pulled off a win against the Patriots. Um, I'm going to be real. I think the Patriots are finally dead, and we know it. Uh, Bill, I think even Bill knows it because Bill has said more in one interview in the past day than he said in a very long time. Uh, Bill Belichick went on air and said, uh, yeah, you know, we sold out. <laughs> he was like, yeah, you know, um, he said, We've we've played in several Super Bowls, uh, been in more playoff games, played in an AFC Championship game. We paid Cam Newton a million dollars. Like we don't have a lot to deal with. Uh, Bill Belichick typically does not explain what's going on, how things are, what's the temperature in the room. You never know with Bill. With Bill, you know, <clears throat> you ask a few questions, and usually you get. You know, on the next week and uh, after next week uh, you know we'll move on to the next game that's usually what you get from bill belichick you know you typically the most full sentences that i've gotten from bill belichick were on these damn subway commercials that i've seen on my television that's about it that is the most that i that i've heard seen from bill at all so the fact that he is explaining the fact that he is saying anything about how there's cap space and lack of money and we only spent so much on Cam. and Oh, due to our success, y'all need to chill. Like that kind of talk, that lets me know that there is something different that's happening with Bill that hasn't before. And that something different is the fact that it hasn't been successful. Because usually with Bill, he doesn't have to say much because he can look at the film, you can look at the work, and you can see that success is happening. He doesn't have to speak on it. Now, when it comes down to do you trust Cam? Is Cam still the starter? Uh, how do you feel? All that. he You knew these questions were going to come. 
Are you going to be the same bill or are you going to decide otherwise? And things are different. Now, granted, do I think this is going to last long? No, I don't think this is going to be a lull for 10 to 15 years and the Patriots will just be uh, a four-long team. Or No, I don't believe that. I do believe these next few years will be rough. I do think that. But how long will Bill stay? That's another question. And that is something that I've been asking week after week. How long is Bill going to be there? As long as Bill is there, that is the only thing that keeps people from betting against the Patriots. That's the only thing that keeps people into thinking that the Patriots are not dead, that everything is all good. That is the one thing everyone talks about. Oh, I'm not going to bet against Bill Belichick. Oh, I'm not going to bet against, you know, the system he has going on and the coaching staff and all that. What happens when he leaves? What is it going to be the thing that convinces you that, okay, we're going to have to sit here and, and really eat it for a little bit because this ain't it. It could be coming sooner than we think. But Seahawks bills, I think I think Russell Wilson takes takes out the bills, um, and they ride theirs. Bron- Broncos Falcons, uh, holy shit! Who put this fucking game together? Um, Drew Lock gets another win. Like who fucking cares? Um, the Falcons are trash. The Broncos are trash. I can't believe this is even a scheduled game. I'm baffled right now. But the Falcons do have to play the AFC West, so I, I guess this would run into it uh Raiders Chargers divisional game for them um let's see who do who do we want to lose this game Raiders Chargers yeah I guess we'd want the Chargers to win uh that's unfortunate yeah and then we have a bye next week and then it'll be Raiders week again which wow the Raiders do not want to see us off a bye but once again we'll get to that later uh, rolling into the four o'clock games, uh, Dolphins Cardinals. The Dolphins team is playing something serious. They're playing something serious. I mean, come on, it 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 is two a time. It is two a time. Tua didn't have to really play his best game, uh, because everyone around him seemed to elevate. I don't know if they decided to do that due to the play of like the unsurety of play of Tua or how that was going to go. But they beat the brakes off the Rams. Tua just had to throw one touchdown, and he was good to go. Like, you had your moment. That was that. Um, Now, I think this is dope that we get to see Tua versus Kyler Murray. Um, Kind of like the the player of now versus the player that could be to come of that, like, size, stature, ability, uh, things of that nature. Uh, But what's going to be difficult is that if you're going to go with the Cardinals, you got to put up points. And I don't know if Tua can put up points on the offensive side yet. I just don't know that yet. Uh, we'll see how it goes, but I just don't know. Um, I would pick the Cardinals over this just because of the experience on both sides of the ball to me match uh, and overwhelm what the Dolphins have going on. But the Dolphins are turned into a really good squad. I liked them when Fitzpatrick was that quarterback. Um, I'm definitely interested to see what's going to happen with Tua. Uh, but they they got a lot uh, going. Yeah, I think once they get Tua into a lot of situations where it's more uh, off-scripted plays, uh, when he gets to show off what he can do um, 
instead of just being held down to a, a script system, I think Tua was he's going to be dope. Like I, I have high hopes for him. I hope that you know he remains injury free uh, through some time, so the safety braces and all that can come off because not physical safety braces for those that don't know, but the mental safety braces of like, oh, we have to protect him. We have to make sure we call these safe plays. So uh, once that mentality is gone, two is going to be dope. Steelers Cowboys. And once again, the Steelers run into a game uh, against nobody. Um, they're fucking going to be playing against Ben DiNucci and the who gives the fuck Cowboys. Um, I am. <laughs> Actively on a search for a Cowboys fan that is willing to get on the show. Uh, I've actually been trying to work on that for the past few weeks. And it has not happened. Uh, but I do want to get a Cowboys fan on here very soon. Um, it just it just hurts my feelings. I want Amari Cooper to go to the Packers. Uh, that would make me really happy. Uh, but they, I heard that there are a few teams that are in sell mode. Um, one of them is the Patriots. One of them is the Cowboys. They said the Cowboys, the only thing that um, they are not willing to trade off is CD lamb. Um, but other than that, they said that everything that has a star on it can go. Uh, the Patriots, they have had in and out conversation talking about how uh, Gilmore was going to get sold. I don't believe in that. Um, because I believe the price is going to be too much for what's given. You got to realize Bill Belichick is not Bill O'Brien. He is not going to give away these star players, star athletes for a, a bag of balls. It's not going to happen. So you're not going to see Stephon Gilmore moved off for <clears throat> a second and a fourth. Like that's, that's not going to happen. Um, now granted when the injury started peeking out, I was like, Oh boy. This is classic Patriot move, you know. Oh, players a little dinged up. Oh, this and that, blah, blah. Do you want to buy buy high-low for a scratching dent? Like, that's what that felt like to me. Uh, but I, I don't believe, actually, the Patriots will make any moves in this trade deadline. Um, I, don't, I don't see any of that happening. I don't, I don't really see a lot of teams making a lot of moves just because of how long and how ignorant the – the processes when it comes to this whole COVID thing. Um, do I think the Falcons are trading off Julio? That to me is the most likely, but I still don't know if that's uh, that's really going to happen. Um, yeah, I I can't tell you. I, I I can tell you a few O linemen, a few linebackers, a few D tackles that have been in the conversation that may get moved. Uh, Quinn and Williams from the Jets may get moved. Uh, it just depends on the two teams that have been talked about. If they're really confident in the fact that they can make that playoff run, then they'll get Quinn and Williams. I, I believe he's done nothing but put on good tape since he's gotten to the league. Um, so it, it's only going to get better for him, especially if he can get to a better locker room, um, any locker room with, uh, Adam Gase and all of that is just a fucking shit show, but somehow we got to all of that off of talking about Steelers, Cowboys, Steelers. This is, this is your time, even though you're going against another shitty team, Steelers, if you don't put up a fucking 45 piece or 50 burger 
on the Cowboys. <laughs> if they play y'all tight, I don't care if Andy Dalton's that quarterback. I don't care if Ben DiNucci's that quarterback. I don't care if fucking Troy Aikman is that quarterback. If you don't put up 45 to 50 points on this Cowboys team, I don't want to hear shit else. I just don't. If y'all beat them like 21 to 7, I'm going to beat the brakes off of y'all. And then I'm going to tweet out the Madden so much to get y'all fucking deranked because I haven't even turned on Madden and see what y'all overall is right now, but I'm sure they got y'all looking outrageous and I'm not about any of the shit. But with that, Steelers should beat the Cowboys. Um, Saints, Buccaneers. uh, It'll be the battle of, I, I, I guarantee you, because now Tom Brady is up one against uh, Drew Brees. This is all going to be, the whole game is going to be marketed and tailored like, oh, who's going to have the touchdown record? And it's just going to go back and forth. Uh, hopefully it's at least entertaining. It's Sunday Night Football. Uh, hopefully we get uh, we get that going. I hope so. Game by game, week by week, go Steelers. Uh, yeah, I guess. I guess. Uh, so we'll talk about the Chiefs before we get to Monday. No, Monday Night Football, we can breeze past that. Patriots-Jets, it's a fucking forest fire. Never thought I would say that. Uh, but it's a forest fire for both teams. I think this may be a uh, an ego game for Cam, um, especially if they do move off Quentin Williams and they don't have a you know threat that can uh, take the inside of the offensive line. I think this is an ego game for Cam. Um, I think Cam goes in here. He puts up two rushing touchdowns, uh, hopefully a passing touchdown or two. And, you know, we can just shake off some of this bullshit of Cam's not a great athlete anymore. Cam can't throw the ball. Cam can't manage a game. Like, we can shake off all that with a a good positive win against the Jets. I think that's what should happen. Uh, But you never know what Sam Darnold's up to. (laughs) And you never know what what Adam Gase is up to. And they could just be here to cause chaos in in the league. And the only time they're going to win is this game right here, the one that would make no sense. Uh, But with that being said, we'll end it with Panthers Chiefs. Uh, Teddy Two Gloves versus uh, Mr. Mahomes. I'm going to be real. I don't think the Panthers stand a chance. I've actually been pretty high on the Panthers this season. I I like everything that they got going on. I like how they've played. Um, but I'm sorry to all of my Carolina hopefuls and fans. Uh, I know McCaffrey was... Where the hell? See, I don't know where my phone is. Uh, McCaffrey was here, well, was cleared but held out. Um, I don't know how long it's going to last. I hope he does well. I don't know how long they're going to keep him on the side, though. Uh, he has not been designated or or anything like that from what I know. <laughs> yeah, like um, he's just been designated to return, but nothing has come out of it yet. So we're still waiting. That was... That was still October. 
Um, so he won't be here for this game. <clears throat> That's unfortunate. Uh, because to me, even though Mike Davis, big little Mike, I like him as a running back. He's a fucking bowling ball. Uh, but I think Christian McCaffrey poses a different matchup issue. Um, and since we don't have that matchup issue, and what's funny is that even if McCaffrey was back, I look at this Chiefs team and they excel so much when an offense tries imitating what they see in practice all the time. Like there's one play where the Jets thought it was very funny to do a touch pass jet sweep uh, to the right side. And once the motion happened, you saw Tyron Matthews start to feed the motion and then stopped exactly where he was because he knew the exact play that was coming and blew it up five yards in the backfield. I believe Christian McCaffrey poses the same matchup issue that uh, Clyde does. And Clyde doesn't have the experience that McCaffrey does, but it gives our defense a chance to be able to play against something to that caliber. And even if he was back, I don't think it would be that big of a change when it comes to the point where Teddy Two Gloves is going to have to strap them gloves on right because he's about to have to go into a, a, a dart match with Mr. Mahomes. And them dart matches don't, man, if Mahomes throws another three... 300-yard game, 400-yard game. I'm not talking to y'all for the rest of the season. I don't want to hear shit else. I don't. Mahomes casually put up 400 yards, five touchdowns, and no one talked about it. <laughs> Fucking wild. Fucking wild. Um, But that's all the games for this week. Uh, so far, there has not been any activity when it comes to uh, the trade deadline. There's been... Uh, no activity on what's going on. And, and like I said, a lot of it can come down to the fact that it's election day. Um, yeah, see, that's the crazy thing. Shout out to the chat. That's the crazy thing is the fact that Mahomes has put up this crazy bar that we now expect games like that out of him. We now expect the 300, 300 yards, three, four touchdowns. I mean, I remember when he threw six touchdowns uh, against the Steelers two years ago, and I was just sitting here like, this is a flash in the pan. Uh, this will never happen again, uh, blah, 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 like all that. And it's, then it's like, oh, shit, he threw 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns for no damn reason. Like, what the hell is going on? And now he's on pace to throw you know, 42 touchdowns with two interceptions. I, I am not going to get on a Patrick Mahomes role right now. I try so hard to not make this a homer show, so we're not going to do this. But it's just, uh, it's insane. But I think a lot of the lack of activity for the trade deadline, one, has to go to um, COVID-19 and how to deal with that situation and all of the uh, testing and all that that goes with that. And then also, uh, it's election day. Uh, all of the facilities are shut down for um, their player staffs and all that to go and vote. So I don't see anything really popping out until four or a little after four um, as the transactions and contracts and stuff like that move through. But I think the major player teams have already made their moves um, with the Chiefs getting Lev Bell. Uh, Saints got Quan Alexander, which like, it's nice on paper, but Quan also leads the league, I believe, in missed tackles. So it's like, 
That sucks. Uh, but yeah, it's it's 4 p.m. that the uh, deadline happens. Um, but I just I don't know. I don't I don't see any other big moves unless uh, somebody buys a few off the Cowboys. Somebody maybe buys a few off the Patriots. But the only person I could see getting moved off of Worth for the Patriots is Gilmore, and I don't I don't see it happening. I don't I don't see the value being high enough. Um, I know there was slight talks about Rex Burkhead, but it's like, who, who is a team that's about to go into the playoffs and they're like, we're missing one thing, Rex Burkhead, like get the fuck out of here. Like, I, I believe people are just talking to talk. That is not a real thing for me. So I, I, Hey, chill out. No, 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 he did. Look, we're not doing this right now. We're not doing this. Um, so with that being said. It is about that time to get the hell up off of here. Um, this will be live and posted on anywhere that you listen to uh, when it comes to podcasts, Spotify, Apple podcast. Um, also, once again, another reminder, it will not be on live playback for uh, Podbean. These episodes will just be uh, posted on those media media waves. Also, I think I'm going to start doing more uh, Instagram lives while I'm doing the second hour, especially once I start doing call-ins and stuff like that again. Um, it'll be really dope. And then it also will be baby steps into getting this whole thing um, ready for video casting. So now that I found a semi-blank wall to be able to do this against, it, it helps a lot. So with that being said... I appreciate you guys. There was a lot of activity in uh, the chat today, which is dope. Uh, be a friend, tell a friend, share this to a friend. I'm doing another giveaway soon. Uh, last giveaway that I did, uh, I gave away a few shirts, a few jerseys to uh, someone that just stayed active, uh, shared everything out. So once I get together what I'm going to do for the next giveaway, I'll post it. I'll post whatever that needs to be shared or interacted with for that contest. Um, and we'll get it rolling. So with that being said, hey, it's uh, November 3rd, 2020. This is the Voice of Fandom Podcast. I will see you on a motherfucking, what's today? What is today? Tuesday? So yeah, I'll see you on Thursday. Wow. Damn, I'm mad that I ran through. I went through my predictions like it's Thursday. Hey, so uh, hopefully we got something to talk about on Thursday because ah, who knows how this is going to turn out. I appreciate y'all. I'm out of here. Thank you for listening to the Voice of Fandom podcast. You can join live every Tuesday and Thursday by downloading the Podbean app or listen to audio playback exclusively through the Kansas City Podcast Network, available by app download or anywhere else you choose to listen to your podcasts. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's uh actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you fifteen percent or more." But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. 911, what's your emergency? 
Una camioneta que se cruzan las vías. Y el tren. ¡Ay, Dios mío! Señora, ¿me está diciendo que un tren le pegó a una camioneta? Sí. Yo pensé que el que sería cruzar el hijo iba rápido, creo, y después... ¡Ay, Dios mío, qué horror! No puede saber a qué velocidad viene un tren. Por eso están los señalamientos de advertencia. Obedécelos. Alto. El tren no para. Mensaje de Netza.